reduce the latter better, where October never dies. I am one of she sure is, and I'm the other host, Mr. Craigers. Yes, he is. And tonight, for our post-Spooky Month pre-holidays episode, we are doing the 1987... I don't even know if I want to call it a cult. A 1987 film. It is a film yeah. that came out in 1987 entitled Blood Rage, uh, directed by... Who was it directed by? Um, someone who this is how this is we, we not were, exactly a house John Grismer John Grismer written by Bruce Bruce Ruben wow we written, you can tell how this is <laughs> this is it's one of those movies it's um, one of those movies but it is a um oft forgotten uh Thanksgiving slasher film uh that was a first watch for both of us. Yeah, uh, which doesn't happen a whole lot. No. So that's kind of fun and novel. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's Thanksgiving. Um, not themed. It's set on Thanksgiving, but the holiday doesn't have a whole lot to do. Like it's a plot point to make certain things happen, but yeah, it's uh, things we'll get into it. Thanksgiving is an occasion for this film. And from what I understand, one of its more memorable lines um, is sort of Thanksgiving themed, but it's no like Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving three. <laughs> the search for Thanksgiving two. <laughs> Thanksgiving two. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're, we're, we're going to get into that, but uh I think before we do, we should do a little, do a little debrief on our, our spooky month because we we did a lot and had a lot to do. Totally, yeah. So we are coming off of the spookiest month of the year, but of course, Splatter Chatter is where October never dies, and so there's always room for more. But um, yeah, there was a lot watched. There was a lot mm-hmm. read. I think on both of our parts. Um, perhaps the biggest thing we want to touch on is this year's Exhumed Films 24-Hour Horrorthon. Yeah. Um, the 16th iteration <clears throat> of this um, all-day, all-night horror marathon in uh, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. The second time you and I went together. Mm-hmm. The third time you went overall, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, set the stage. How was the horrorthon this year? What what did we get up to? Yeah, so first of all, I will say the spooky month. Talking about that reminded me there is a improvised musical podcast that had a October Halloween episode and they had a song called Is It the Spooky Month? Because the idea was they worked in a they lived and worked in a store that had no clocks or calendars. So they just sort of had to use contact clues to find out it was this, what they called the spooky <laughs> month. Um, anyway, so that's all I can think about now is that song when I hear spooky month. But yes, so um, October 21st into the 22nd was the dates of the horathon. It begins at noon on that Saturday, the 21st, and goes till a little bit past noon <clears throat> on the, the 22nd. <clears throat> at this point, I think it's kind of given that it's slightly more than 24 hours it is yeah and we started a little bit late i think we started 
to like 20 minutes late. Yeah. Um, and then like <clears throat> and stuff. But but anyway. Yeah. And, you know, I, the first year we went, it was daylight savings. So they made a deal about that, that they had time for an extra movie. I think now they're just doing extra movies. <laughs> yeah. Because. But, um, yeah, we got there. We got in line. Huge, you know, huge crowd. Um, you know, everyone walking by in Phoenixville, walking their dogs are coming from their runs. It's like, what are you guys in line for? <laughs> and then trying to explain it to them is even more painful. Um, but we got good seats. We we came very close to qualifying for a prize for the yes. guests. So I, I can't, I'm sure we mentioned this before last time, but they give out a, a sort of sheet um, where you can kind of fill out a ballot of what you think the movies are going to be, because a big feature of this is you don't know until they sort of unspool on the screen, but you have clues um, and they're very vague, sometimes purposefully confusing clues. Damn, are they? <laughs> they are. And one of the tricks we found is to, if we have an idea of what we think it could be, we look at the runtime <laughs> to try it. Um, and we got, if we had gotten one or two more movies correctly, we would have ended up um, in contention. In contention for a prize, probably in like a, a three way tie with the guy in fifth place. Um, <clears throat> so that would have been interesting. Um, makes me feel better, but uh, you know, it is a bummer to come so close. I know. Misty um, was determined to. I was. And there was a couple where I was like, like Leviathan, that was, I was pretty proud of getting that one. Leviathan was clutch. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a good one. But um, yeah, we watched a lot of first time movies, I think, for both of us. Um, first yeah. time seeing Targets. Um, this was the first time, yeah. My first time seeing Tremors and High Tension. Yeah. Um, it is your, for me. Yeah. New, first time either of us seen Sunny Boy. Yep. First <laughs> time for Sunny Boy. Probably Sunny the Boy. most interesting overall of the. I don't know of- if you saw my uh, my Letterbox review where I was like. Oh, did you go back and? Yeah, yeah. I was like. I think I might have loved this movie. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm really not sure. But I'm I'm pretty I'm leaning towards. I don't think I disliked it. Yeah, is the thing. Which I, just, I feel like if a movie in a with a movie like that, if you don't dislike it, then you 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 might love it. You might love it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I kind of want to make other people watch it. I feel like I'm gonna like. I'm in a very like similar but strange space where I'm like, this is not a good movie. No. But I want to watch it like like again over and over. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird because I, I try not to like you know Letterbox like obviously you have the reviews but like starred ratings for films are not built to respond to a film that way because I'm like if I give this yeah. four stars that puts it in the same tier as like 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 Oppenheimer and like other things on my letterbox and I can't do that. So I don't know what to do. I know, I know. It's um, so, it's so funny when you think about that and, and it's like, all right, is, is my rating, my personal enjoyment? Is it, am I being more objective? Is it, yeah. 
you know, and that's when you like you look at some people like there's some folks I'm friends with on there who I think that stresses them out too much. And so they will either just heart or not heart a movie. Oh, true. I should use I don't use the heart feature. Maybe that could help sort of balance it. Like if I heart things, that means I actually really think it's good. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe if you don't and just do the rating, then it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, Sunny Boy is a um it's not even horror adjacent. It's like adjacent of like five different genres. Um, but it was essentially this story about a kid, a baby who had been taken from his parents who were like brutally murdered by like the henchmen of this dude who's like a crime king of a small town in like, I think it's like New Mexico or something like that. It's like Arizona. It's definitely down there, southwest border townish yeah. vibe. And his wife is um, this woman named Pearl, who is played by David Carradine. <laughs> as far as I can tell, according to Letterboxd, she is supposed to be a transgender woman. There is some debate, though, about right. that, just because it's not clear if she's supposed to be a transgender woman in the film, if she's supposed to be a cisgender woman who's just played by... A, a, a male actor or what but according to letterbox official synopsis she is a transgender woman her name is pearl she has a great great third act moment <laughs> oh my god um anyway he and his wife adopt this child and raise him as like a feral child to do their like their like muscle work for their it's it's nuts and he yeah he's kind of got like a frankenstein moment where he gets out into the world and then the world rejects him and it's like he's like a human attack dog assassin sort of thing that's you know yeah is like abused and trained and frankensteined and yeah he doesn't have a tongue and they take out his tongue when he's like three so he can't but don't worry (laughs) It gets he he gets a his he gets a happy ending with that tongue. He gets his. Um, it, it it's really weird. It's definitely an exploitation film. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's so hard to say like what else it is because like Miss Mel was saying, it's like it's a bunch of different kinds of movies, but it doesn't commit to one specific angle. And the yeah. result is the result is really weird. But like you like you couldn't look away. No. And again, it is a thing where it's like, this is not a good movie. I don't think anyone thinks this is a good movie. But if somebody put this on, I would sit down and watch the whole thing again. Yeah. And I believe, if I'm recalling correctly, I think I have a pamphlet around here somewhere, but the clue was something basically like, look, you're either going to love this or hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I think I would have loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think so anyway. I think it was a great crop all around um, mm-hmm. this year. We saw um, we saw eight of the 15 mm-hmm. movies that were screened, which so that's over half. So I think that's pretty good. Um, not yeah, about, it's just, you can't, like, I can't be there at three in the morning watching. It's, it's so much. And yeah. it's like, 
I wonder, like, a part of me wants to do that, but another part of me is like, am I really going to absorb whatever is on at 3 a.m.? Or am I just going to be miserable and And Plus, like, I think part of the fun for us is we go home, we sleep a little bit, we come back, we get breakfast, we see what movies... Like, when we came back, um, The House That Dripped Blood was playing, which I had actually watched for Hooptober. Um, So I had seen that already, but... It also made it easy to be like, oh, I know exactly where in the movie this is. We're going to go get breakfast. Right, right. And I think when we did decide to call it a night, like, the next film up was The Omen. Yeah, we had seen it. Okay, well, we've obviously seen that. It's, like, we don't necessarily feel, like, weird about missing it, you know? So, like, I kind of like the way we approach it. And, um, like, we know what the other films are and, like can go watch them at our own leisure now, which is also kind of nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was a good year though. We got, um, I picked up, oh my God, I still need to sit down and watch that. I need to, oh, I need to take the plastic off that movie because Chris forgot his controller. The other thing we did for Halloween this year is um, we went to a cabin in the woods that had like 15 TVs and put a different, <laughs> different horror movie on every TV. It was actually kind of fun. Like I would go upstairs to get like a drink or something. And I'm like, oh, prom night's on. Um, mm-hmm. And then I go downstairs and I'm like, oh, Dracula Dead and Loving It's on. <laughs> Two other horror movies are on. <laughs> um, but uh, I, we had brought a bunch of Blu-rays with the intent of watching them. But um, we the the blu-ray player provider forgot to bring a controller for the playstation so but i did get um ghost watch on blu-ray at the merch table i got um smut without smut presents satanic what was it satanic something night the premise of these movies is that they take the opening like shitty story scenes of porn films and sort of stitch them together to make a film um and i was going to make everyone sit down and cold watch that with me and it did not happen it didn't happen but i will keep you all updated when it does i know i almost want you to be like what if you saved it for next year <laughs> i could i don't mind i mean it's i i own it now <laughs> that's true it is yours yeah. yeah that's the other great thing about the horathon you know they have some awesome merch um that you can get they have like raffle prizes that are available but they also just sell um, you know, they bring in vendors to sell uh, horror Blu-rays. And um, this year they had vinyls. Mm-hmm. We each got a vinyl, um, which was really cool. Um, I was told I that um, that vinyl cover that we got for free, that's only allowed to be a Halloween decoration because it's too scary. Too scary. <laughs> yeah. So I, we got um, free felt covers for the record players with our yeah. purchase and... Um, mine was a very fun artist rendition of Jason busting out of the manhole <laughs> in the Jason Takes Manhattan. And I was told it was too scary. Too scary. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I had a debate about my cover, which was um, is Michael from, I think, the Halloween 2018 Mm-hmm. one and I was like should I leave it on there the whole time and I ultimately decided it will also be a seasonal decoration yeah <laughs> well, well we can bear this burden I'm with you I yeah. help you yeah so <clears throat> but yeah and but I got a t-shirt they sold t-shirts this year as well which was fun yeah and t-shirts yeah yeah and um I was like what 
did I get on on Blu-ray this time? Oh, I got yeah, that collector's edition. Yeah. It follows. Which they follow. Which they follow is the now non-binary now, so we don't know what that that could mean <laughs> for their power. <laughs> but it's something to watch out for. I mean, I feel like since it changed sexes before that. <laughs> Yeah, constantly. Yeah, it's it's a monster. It yeah. actually only makes sense that this is like this is the natural progression. It tracks. Um, yeah, but yeah, even even though it was kind of a bummer that the the Blu-rays we brought we couldn't show. I think we had a a nice spooky time at the cabin in the woods. It, you're forgetting we watched a true Halloween oh. classic. This should have been our lead. For yeah, that one. Um, you guys get on Tubi. Get on Tubi. We discovered. And I'm actually gonna pat myself back, you know, because I I you, I chose this movie. Because yeah, nobody could decide what to watch, and I was like, just pick something, and this is what you no picked. One, no one could decide. Um, we were scrolling through, everyone was kind of considering like serious options. But we were also sitting around drinking. We were meant to be playing a game. Yeah. So I put on something that looked stupid. <laughs> I was right. However, <laughs> it was so stupid that it was the most engaging thing <laughs> that, you know, six or seven um, vaguely tipsy people could have could have wanted at that point. Um a fantastic film called Halloween at Aunt Ethel's. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't, do we talk about it or do we just tell people to go watch it? I think it? you should just go watch it. Going cold, mm. knowing this backstory, knowing that I, I severely thought Craig's cousin was going to walk into the woods and never return. <laughs> he was so upset. <laughs> well, he wanted to play, um, the Donner Party game, and we just oh, could right. not get it together. We could not pry our eyes away from this movie for long enough. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm sorry, I need to see what's going on with Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was also um, when I thought I was going to have a heart attack because I could not breathe because I was like, oh, it's too hard. so hard. It hurt. Um, it hurt. Yeah, we also almost ended several friendships over several social deduction games. Yeah. So that yeah. was fun. Um, I will problem. say that I it was my first time watching Popcorn. That's right, Popcorn We was one of our weekend watches. Um, and that was a ton of fun. I like that. Fun movie. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, because a lot of a lot of it was, you know, because it was you know, a very active weekend and things were always just kind of on. There were a lot of like pieces and parts of movies that we caught over the weekend and just yeah. a couple that were like straight through watches, but like Popcorn was one and Hocus Pocus we got to. Hocus Pocus. Evil Dead 2 we watched. Evil um, Dead 2 we watched Friday night. Watched. We were trying to decide if the last 70 minutes of Five Nights at Freddy's Counted that we watched you. counted enough for me to be like I watched this movie. Um, I know everyone was debating like, does this count as a watch? Like Ryan was like, can I put it on Letterboxd? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I I feel I would feel disingenuous if I did, but I feel like I got everything I needed to know about that movie from. 
I'm kind of in the same boat. I was like, oh, I don't think I can log it, but I don't necessarily want to watch the whole thing. We'll see. It's doing well, though, at the box office. Yeah, it made a crap ton of money. Yeah. And they clearly set it up at the end for multiple sequels. Well, I don't think I caught the ending because they I was definitely like, it was like a very much like a they're ready they did to a go. curtain call of like here's where every character is here's their current state you can see how it's going to evolve like it, it just it was very clear that this is going to be a uh, a friend right. which makes sense because there's multiple games there's multiple books there's a lot sure of- yeah you might as well it's got a huge fan base. <laughs> Go for it. And look, I love my boy Josh Hutcherson. Yeah. Yeah, we're finally getting the Hutchersons after. Yeah. After... Was he in anything besides? The... I mean, I know he was in other things besides The Hunger Games, but like since The Hunger Games, what else was he in? Um, I feel like there was like one, like vaguely, like. Oh, he was in, the... he's in that show, which is supposed to be pretty good and pretty funny. Um, Future Man on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, that I've been meaning to watch. And then I think he's just, it's mostly, I'm quickly looking at his IMDb, it's mostly, I think, just been, he's done some small, he has an uncredited appearance in Tragedy Girls, which we covered. Yes, our- he has a great appearance in Tragedy Girls. Um, a small part in The Disaster Artist. Oh, interesting. You know what? That's that's exactly the type of thing I would expect him to pop up in, actually. Yeah, and then basically he's just been chilling on the other side from Future Man. So Five Nights at Freddy's, I think, yeah, is is the Hutchersons. All right. You remember how mad I was that they were having him be a dad and it turned out that he was the older brother of that yeah. character? I was like, I do not believe him as a father. I can't accept that. It doesn't make sense. Meanwhile, isn't he like our age? Yeah. So, so he could, yeah. but like the kid is pretty old. She's like twelve or thirteen. Yeah, she is pretty old. That's true. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> you know, we had a great weekend. Yeah, you know, bonfires, hot tubs, social deduction games, um, walking into a room and just not knowing what fucking was going to be on the TV. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, it was a, it was all around a very good Halloween. I mean, I you couldn't, you know, I couldn't have asked for more out of myself between, you know, going to the Hocus Pocus showing earlier in the month. We went spooky mini golfing. We did the Exhumed Film Fest. We did this. We went to the Stranger Things themed pop up bar. We did. We went to the the um. I forget what that place is called. Know where it is. Forget what it's called. Uptown Beer Garden. Ah, That's what it's called. Um, Which they call, you know, like upside down town beer, you know, something crazy (laughs) for Stranger Things. Um, But yeah, it was pretty good. It was a pretty good spooky time. Plus, we both participated in and Mm -hmm. completed um, the Hooptober Challenge. Yeah. I had a last minute replacement movie. Because of technical difficulties, but I ultimately got all my films in by the end of October 31st. As did I. Um, I had I had attempted the Hooptober Challenge on and off. Oh, I think I did like year <coughs> nine and year seven and I don't know, one more, but I never finished. 
And so I was determined to do it this year, and it did. Yeah. So it was great. It was a lot of fun, and it definitely. <clears throat> I mean, there are some things in there I, you know, would definitely um, throw out there as recommendations. And there's some that I've been meaning to watch for forever that I finally gave me an occasion to sit down and watch. And yeah, I love the excuse to be like, all right, let me finally watch like you know X movie, and then it's fun. I feel like I like came out of the challenge. And like the horrorthon and stuff, just being like, okay, I have like a a good handful of movies that like I want in my personal collection now, you know that like yeah, I want to go get on Blu-ray. Um, and that's which fun. I don't know how long it goes for, but the Barnes and Noble fifty percent off Criterion sale is happening right now. Right. And did I buy myself Firewalk with me? Yes, I did. Oh, oh, oh! I've got my eyes on. They just uh release the others i saw that i almost got it but then i was like i'm gonna start with firewalk and i'm gonna see how long this thing goes because i might just physically go to a barnes and noble instead of ordering it online um there's one right up the road for me as you know so i'm probably gonna wander over there this weekend i i have many different memories of that barnes and noble (laughs) um but yeah so yeah i saw the others was on there um Drive has obviously been on there for a while. I've been wanting yeah. to get that. Um, Solaris is another one on there that I would be interested in getting. Uh, that would be a good one. Yeah, there's a couple. I don't know if you have a um, if you have a Criterion account on their website. Uh-huh. They have a night. They have an easy feature where you can make a wish list of Criterions that you want. Um, and I use that to go back and be like, wait, what do I like know that's on Criterion, but I haven't gotten around to yet? Because now they have such an extensive catalog, it can be hard to like remember what films have been given a Criterion release. Um, right. But yeah, so that's a good excuse to go perusing. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. But you know what's not on Criterion? <laughs> I have a guess. <laughs> I, I feel pretty confident having not looked this up and saying that Blood Rage is not, uh, did not have a criteria on release. Yep, I would take that bet to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> there is um, no criterion release of Blood Rage. Oh, this is, okay, it ends 12-4. Got plenty of time. Great. So, um, yeah. yeah, Blood Rage. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, we can we can sort of slide right into that um we've already kind of covered when did you first see this film it was this week it was this week this was a first time watch i knew that it existed and i knew that it was like a weird like vaguely thanksgiving adjacent horror film but like i had that that was it basically i didn't know anything else i had found it and only knew of its existence a couple months ago because I had been looking up Thanksgiving-themed horror films just as a, like a planning ahead thing. Because I was like, okay, like we gotta we gotta do what are we doing? Because um, it, it's been a minute since we did a Thanksgiving horror film. Because yeah. there aren't that many of them. There aren't that many of them. And last year we did a like our favorite film from the Exhumed Films Fest, which does not mean that we cannot that we won't not cover Sunny Boy. I know. At some point. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, because last year we did The Hunger, and we were Even like, oh, you're Blu-ray. hungry at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm going to see if that's on Blu-ray. Um, Sunny Boy or The Hunger? 
the Sunny Boy. I know the Hunger's on Blu-ray. You think I don't have that in a wish list? <laughs> uh, Sunny Boy is on Blu-ray. Oh my god. It's not like Very a label release, though. It's not like Arrow video or No, anything. so it's like an expensive yeah. Blu-ray, because you gotta, like, it's kind of a rare... Because they're like, who wants this? Yeah, it's a $50 Blu-ray, but it might be worth it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yes. Yeah. So, found this a couple months ago, said, what if we did... There was a couple others on the list. There's... A couple other random Thanksgiving slashers out there. Yeah, um, we had considered Home Sweet Home for a second. Yeah. Uh, what with this one, though, because to me, the synopsis sounded nuts. Um, yeah. And spoiler alert, it was. <clears throat> um, yeah, but I, you know, and that's what, you know, we'll get into. I think we're going to sort of, you know, go through some of the plot of this, at least at a high level. Um, and that sort of thing. But um, I found parts of it actually kind of sad. I agree. I always, and I, th- and I think, you know, probably a number of people feel this way, but like I always get sad and frustrated with stories where um, someone is not being believed. Yeah. And and we kind of get that with Blood Rage because, like, um, Todd, like, I don't know, goes catatonic, I guess, for a while. And only, like, during the events of the film, like, remembers what really happened. But, like, we know that he's being unjustly, like, held and punished, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, like, really aggravating yeah, and for for the viewers out there, the listeners who have not seen it, the basic premise of this film is that there are twin brothers, Todd and Terry, um, who, uh, while out with their mother, who's, like, on a date, she's, like, brought them on a date with her, and they kind of, you know, <laughs> snuck out while she was, like, getting sort of, like, frisky with her date guy. They were at a drive-in. Um, they go up to another car where, like, another you know, couples obviously having sex and just, like, fucking murder them. Um, Oh, it's very obvious, because they're both completely naked. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Terry murders them, but Mm -hmm. frames Todd by smearing blood all over him um, and giving him the axe and, like, sort of making it look like he did it. Um, Todd goes to a mental institution. Terry grows up, um, you know, for all intents and intents and purposes a normal boy um they find out at thanksgiving todd has escaped from the asylum and they're like oh my god the murderous twin brother has escaped but twist that's not a twist because we all the audience obviously knows this terry is the real murderous brother and decides to go on a a rampage at thanksgiving because he's a little bit jealous that his mom's marrying her boyfriend yeah um, <laughs> well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. So that's the basic premise. Um basic and, premise. and yeah, and there are parts of it that are very sad and very sort of um like almost like for a film that is so like poorly acted and poorly written, there are a couple times where it does like, oh, like that actually really hits in a way that you wouldn't expect. Um Yeah. So that's interesting. It is interesting. Um, 
Because for most of the film, it's very campy. Yes. Um, and it's very unserious, as the kids say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then there are these like strange moments of like almost melancholy, where yeah, you're like, what are we, what are we doing now? Like yeah, and I'm thinking even of like the the sort of climactic scene as well, and how like yeah. there's a lot going on there. It's a heavy scene. Yeah. Um. And it's such a crime that we don't know more about the production of this movie because I need to know what was going through people's fucking heads when they wrote this down, when they they produced it, when they, like, Uh, it's just. I would love some more interviews and some content out there about the production, but it is is a little sparse. Um, But what we do know is that when the idea for the film was first sort of germinated. Um, It was originally going to be titled Complex um, because the film, the majority of the film plays out at an apartment complex, Mm -hmm. right? And this apartment complex is very 80s. It's very isolated. Like it's- It's like like meant to be in the, the, it was so, it was also so fucking funny to me that they called it like Shadow Woods was like the name of the like <laughs> the the other title. Well, that and like don't they say at one point in the movie like they make a reference to Shadow Woods like I think that's like the yeah, name of the local woods that the apartment complex is adjacent to. Is named yeah because it's the Shadow Woods apartments yeah, yeah which is stupid. Yes, it is. <laughs> to be clear, but yes, one one original working title was complex. Was complex. Um, then at some point during pre-production, it's retitled to uh, be called Slasher, and then eventually it's um, finally settled on Blood Rage as the title. Um, but then, interestingly, as we'll talk about a little bit later, um, when it was aired on cable. Um, which used to be much more of a thing back in the day, kids. Um, And when it was initially released on VHS, there was a fourth title for the film, Nightmare at Shadow Woods. Which could Um, you imagine? You go to the store and you're like, I want to buy the Blu-ray of Barbie. And and it's a different title. It was a completely different title. It's it's the same movie, they changed the title. They've changed it. The title's like, Kenneth. Yeah, like, what? What? (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely wild um and that's also the the uh the nightmare at shadow woods title is also what it's known as outside the united states um which also adds to sort of like the confusion and the strangeness of of this film but um you know going off of letterboxd the correct title as they have it and as we will mostly be referring it to as is blood rage yeah which honestly of all the titles they were working with i i'm fine with this one none of them are are good titles um the first two are stupidly vague um (laughs) the alternate title is the alternate title is trying to cash in on something yeah um, but I but I also am not sure what it's trying to cash in on. <laughs> it like wants you to so they're like, oh yeah, quick association with Nightmare on Elm Street because it's hot at this yeah. time. But like 
It has nothing to do with, you know. <laughs> it, like, it doesn't relate at all. Yeah, and Blood Rage. Let me be clear. I don't think that's a good title, but of what well, we, even... what we're working with, that's the least painful to me. Yeah, of the four, it's like okay, sure. Um, but who wrote Complex Slasher, Blood Rage, Nightmare at Shadow? <clears throat> so the screenplay was written by Bruce Rubin. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not to be confused with Bruce Joel Rubin who is sometimes credited as just Bruce Rubin, who was the screen playwriter for Deadly Friend, Ghost, and The Time Traveler's Wife, among others. Um, As far as I can tell, according to his IMDB, this Bruce Rubin, his only other credits include Zapped, Zapped Again, and one episode of Recess. Just the one. Yeah, I, I saw Recess and it just said one episode. Sure. Sure. Didn't look at what episode it was. Um, Underrated animated show, Recess. I do. I remember I loved the Recess movie when it was like, it finally, it was like summer break. And they like had it, they were like doing alien shit at the school during summer. Oh my God. That was sick. Yeah. I love that movie. Um, um, hilarious that he saw the Zapped franchise, you, you know, through to its sequel. You yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's all there is on him. <laughs> okay. Don't know why he wrote it. Don't know what the process was from the studio to find a screenwriter. It wasn't like, um, right. you know, the 13 different screenwriters of Friday, uh, Freddy vs. Jason, or oh. the $6 million they spent on just story development. Um, yeah. Gosh. Well, yeah, it's, it was definitely a Hobnob production, I think, in a lot of ways, um, from writing all the way through to um, casting. Uh, Marianne Kantner, one of the producers on the film, is also one of the performers in the film, which is highly unusual for those two particular fields to intersect. Yeah. Um, but she plays Dr. Berman. Um, now... To be fair, this was done as a um, fill-in situation. And I don't want to say a proper actress, but another actress was cast and could not make the shoot. Here's my thing is they just say she failed to show up. They don't say why. They don't say if they went to look for her. Nobody <laughs> seems to be concerned. They also, like, from what I could, I don't know if, I couldn't find a name for the original actress. Yeah. Was she fucking murdered? Like, where, who is this Wait, woman? Was, she, was it like, Jennifer she? Aniston? Like, who was it? Like, it could be anybody. Could be. Could be. That yeah, actually know. would be a fun sort of a very deep cut story or film where it's, like, the search yeah. for the... The search for, yeah. The, <laughs> the actress who was supposed to play Dr. Berman like, in two yeah. scenes of Blood Rage. Imagine taking that pitch to like a studio and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you have to do like an entire like hour's worth of like backstory <laughs> that is going to get covered in maybe like a minute of screen time. <laughs> but like, this is how you have to set up the pitch. Speaking of pitches, we all heard uh, Chris, uh, Craig's cousin's pitch for his version of the Bob's Burgers movie probably about five times. Five times. He feels passionately about it. He was not a fan of um, the final product of the actual Bob's Burgers movie. And 
has an alternate pitch. And look, the pitch is good. Yeah, I like it. I'm into it. Um, I don't know where he plans on going with it, though, because I don't think you can spec script a Bob's Burgers movie. But I don't. I don't think that's how it works. More power to him. He's now an award-winning writer, though, so maybe he can can throw that out there. Um, Well, yeah, when he takes that to Fox. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So Marianne Cantor, who's a producer, had to step into a role. Um, You know, we'll get to the other the other actors in this. that are in this movie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> filming for the film took place mainly in Jacksonville, Florida, due in large part to a lot of the film's money coming from Jacksonville locals. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it was like, we'll give you this money if you film here, or they did it because they thought these investors would want it, or what have you. But um, mm. A lot of it takes place in Jacksonville. Um, the apartment complex um, was located in West Jacksonville. Um, while like the nature trail shots that happen um, were shot at the University of North Florida at their their campus, and a couple of scenes, specifically the drive-in, a couple of the drive-in scenes were filmed in New Jersey. Um, the Midway Drive-in in Jacksonville served as the place for some of the shots of the drive-in while a different drive-in at Hazlitt, New Jersey was like reshoots or additional shoots. I'm not sure. I do know that the Midway drive-in is now demolished. Demolished. So That's so funny to me. Like, okay, you found a drive-in in Florida where you filmed the rest of the production. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't good enough for, or like, so you went and did the rest of it as a drive-in in New Jersey. That's so wild. Yeah, unclear to me, like, because I'm not going to rewatch this movie to look <laughs> to see, like, where the inconsistencies are in the drive-in, but... um, It's not going to be a yearly Thanksgiving watch for you? I don't think so. <laughs> um, production was reportedly, according to Marianne Cantor, she's, like, the only one who's gone on record talking about this movie... <laughs> Um, she said it was reportedly quote unquote rocky due to Louise Lasser and John Grismer, who's the director, Louise Lasser, who plays the mother of the twins, um, and is kind of our, our main woman in this movie. They had disagreements on set about what? I don't know. Oh, I see. There was drama. Yeah, there was drama, but I, but I need you- beats. Yeah, drama over what? Here's another bit of drama that I want to know more about. This film was was it was filmed in 1983 and it wasn't it was not released until 1987. Yeah, that I I came across that as well, but not an explanation for the yeah. long. It delay. just said, "Wow, this is funny, huh?" Yeah, on. four years between filming and release. It's like okay, that's highly unusual. Why? But nothing came up but then when you mentioning that thing about like jacksonville locals i'm wondering like if that time was spent finding a distributor that would not surprise me um because it does seem like it was a low budget sort of indie um financed film Mm -hmm. um you know i do i the, the few things i could find um about the production like did talk about how like it you know as far as they could tell the majority of the budget was spent on the special effects and there wasn't a huge budget to begin with um and it was distributed by like a very 
tiny distributor. Like it's not like it's like, you know, United Artists or New Line or anything like that. Yeah. So, you know, that makes sense to me. Also, yeah. here's something fucking wild. The runtime for the censored version, 82 minutes. The okay. runtime for the uncut version, 82 minutes. <laughs> Wait! <laughs> How? I don't know, but... Nothing, nothing was cut in the censored version. <laughs> Less than a minute was cut from the censored version. 82 and 82. Yeah, this movie is short. It was. It was a quick movie. Oh um... <laughs> incredible yeah i think i watched the uncut version it, i like, have i watched whatever was on amazon yeah but it seemed like there was like we got like the blood and the gore. yeah i was gonna say if that's the uncut version then i would be surprised um right what was left out because i was actually fairly surprised at um how good actually the effects the gore effects were you know the effects are really good I, and actually um to that's a good segue to mention that um so the effects were done by ed french who also plays bill in the film one of those kind of movies (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. he he was a makeup artist um he had like a small sort of like run of acting gigs i think he was in like five movies blood rage was his last movie as an actor but he's had a really long career in makeup artistry um, with over 90 films and um, TV series on his resume. Um, and just to name a few, some of the bigger ones he's worked on, uh, Amityville 2, The Possession, Sleepaway Camp, The Black Dahlia, Terminator Salvation, uh, Buffy, Supernatural, Sinister 2, Westworld, and he's still working. Um, he was the makeup artist on Dungeons and Dragons, um, Honor Among Thieves. The I mean, play your strengths, man. Yeah, and um, it's been a so it's been quite a career and like quite a good one as well. He actually won an Emmy for his makeup work on um, the series House, starring Hugh Laurie, and he was nominated for an Oscar for best makeup for his work on Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. What a wild film to be nominated for an Oscar for. Star Trek VI? Yes. Star Trek VI. Was Six. nominated for an Oscar. Was nominated for an Oscar. That was probably its only Oscar nomination. <laughs> I didn't actually check, but I'm happy to do it right now. It's um, wild. I mean, that doesn't... I mean, like, of course, like, the prosthetics probably were very well done, but, like, how is the sixth movie in a Star Trek set? franchise like getting enough attention from the uh the academy to to warrant a nomination is my question one wonder oh okay so at a quick glance it was also nominated uh for sound effects editing man i might have to watch star trek six Star Trek six had two <laughs> oscar nominations when it came how does out. it if it, if the sixth movie in a franchise like star trek can like garner enough attention to get even just two like arts you know like the the more artistic you know like sort of like craft oscars yeah i feel like i need to watch it and find out why 
feel like, yeah, need to investigate that a bit mm-hmm. more. I might do that. Um, and I will say, so just um, add some, some trivia here for us. So it was nominated for Best Makeup that year against Hook and the eventual and the winner and there's no shame in losing to this film can you guess what it was, it was 1991 1992 yeah 1992 would have been the ceremony it's a 1991 film 1991 film was it terminator yep terminator 2 it's new judgment day put that on the oscars um i should yeah so i feel like if you lose best makeup to that like you can still like yeah. that's okay yeah that's fine yeah. i mean i'm thinking of, like you know the scenes of him like cutting into you know like them doing the 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 work where he cuts into his like shit every movie to like do repairs and yeah, how could you beat that when they go into his head and stuff um yes yeah. All right. Well, good. Good for good for Ed, man. I forget the fuck who Bill is, but good for Ed. Yeah, I was like, Bill, Bill, which Bill, one is Bill, Bill? I'm trying to place Bill. Yeah, but you, but the makeup is strong. It's probably the strongest. I think no, I was so. very because even in that opening, the opening kill of the mm-hmm. titular blood rage, um, even <laughs> that is yes. like very well done. Like the the hatchet to the face makeup. Um, yeah, I like it was that. like surprisingly like like you know I, I was like this isn't like the hokey shit that you normally like this is like gory. Yeah, and there's that um, who's the kill in the woods where the body is like severed in half? It's the doctor, right? Yeah, the Doctor Berman. Doctor Berman is like cut in half, and like and the, she's like still moving. We don't talk moving. about that. There's several parts in this movie where people lose body parts, and the body parts just keep moving. <laughs> like yeah, like the Evil Dead movie or something. Um, yeah, which like that's ridiculous, but like the gore is like really like that. That makeup is really solid. Yeah, and the guy who loses his hand and is killed, and when they yeah. prop him up later. Like that scene. That's a that's one of those moments where I was like, that oh, is, this is hitting kind of kind of heavy when she you know yeah. like standing behind him and Yeah, you're right. I forgot that he's like propped up and stuff. That's yeah, that's that's pretty messy. Yeah, I think the effects really stand out to me. What doesn't quite stand out to me, I don't know if it did to you, was like the music and the no. score. I mean, it was um, sort of classic, just like let's put a a big noise here. Yeah. Um, which, oh. like, no, no knock. I feel like it did what it intended to do, but just um, I don't necessarily, like, remember too much of it. But um, just to give credit, who did do the score? Richard Einhorn. Rock. Shockwaves. Don't Go in the House. The Prowler. And two episodes of Tales of from the dark side. Two. One Could episode not tell of you a thing about any of the, the music from these. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking at the beginning of this movie, because it's very, it's got the 80s synth, like, at times as well. Like, it had, like, sort of, like, that in the, in the opening. And maybe it was because it was, like, the drive-in. He was doing a sort of drive-in, like, yeah. thing. Um yeah, I guess I kind of remember like that opening montage of like people 
like at the drive-in and the concession stand and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like playing a very like synthy, like feels like an 80s slasher film music. And then it sort of goes away. Um, Yeah. Then I can't really recall too many music cues after that. Yeah. Which is kind of ironic because that particular scene is supposed to take place in 19, like 1974. Yeah. Yeah. Which synth was not a thing. No, no. That's fine. Um, so yeah, yeah. So what do we think? Should we do a walkthrough of the plot as much as we can? I don't know. Is that, is it? Yeah, I think we can, we've already set up the scene, right? We've set up the cold open, as it were. As it were. As it were. Um. Yeah, yeah, we've gone through that. Yeah. There's Um, twins, one murders a guy because ostensibly because he's upset that his mom's trying to have sex and he's present so they take off and go murder another group it's interesting because this movie was really sort of like being very on the nose with the sex thing in slasher films Um, but Todd goes to to an institution is catatonic uh, over you know unable to defend himself Um, goes to an asylum for the rest of his life while Terry goes about and lives as the golden boy beloved by his mother. Um, mm-hmm. And 10 years later, it's 1984. Um, Terry and his mom who live together in an apartment in shadow woods, in shadow woods. <laughs> um, are it's Thanksgiving. They're hosting a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, she's got her, her boyfriend whose name I forget over. Brad? Brad. I think his name is Brad. Okay. Brad. Brad, the boyfriend, um, she announces that she and Brad are getting married. And this, in conjunction with the fact that they've gotten a phone call that Todd has escaped his asylum, kind of sets Terry off. Um, and he decides that he, he has to murder, starting with Brad, I guess. Like, I think the original attempt was just to kill Brad, and then he just sort of goes on a rampage. But, um... He he decides he's gotta Brad's gotta go. Can't can't have Brad and Swam. Simply no more Brad. Simply no more Brad. So he murders Brad um, in a crazy with a machete. It's actually kind of funny because he comes up to him. He's got the machete behind his back and he walks up to him and he's smiling and he's like, "Oh hey Terry, what's up?" And he just pulls out the machete and like <laughs> lops off his arm or his hand. Hand is like holding something like a phone or something. Yeah, I, I think he's on the phone, right? Yeah, he's on the phone because he's like, "Oh, hold on a second. You know, the hand and the phone go off. The hand is still like very much twitching and grabbing the phone after it's off. Um, you know that thing where, <laughs> yeah, you know where your hand just keeps going, and then he, you know, puts the machete through his head, kills Brad. And decides he's going to frame Todd because since Todd has conveniently escaped. Um, but a couple other people are on the lookout for Todd. Who are they? Yeah. So, yeah. So this news spreads fairly quickly throughout Shadow Woods. <laughs> it's a very tight <laughs> community. Yeah. It's very neighborly. Everyone's looking out for each other. And so, um, yeah. So we've got our other players involved including um 
uh, Terry's girlfriend, Karen, right? Yeah. 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 Um, as well as their, like, um, click, like, group of friends, I guess. Um, uh, oh, God, what the hell are their names? Oh, Beth. <laughs> Uh, Beth and, and Bill, affirmation. And Bill, Bill, our makeup artist. Bill, the makeup artist. Um, and then there's also um the neighbors. We have um, is Andrea the babysitter? Or is she a babysitter? Or is that no, her Julie's, baby? Julie's the babysitter, I think. Is and, is she the babysit? Like that's that's not her baby. There's somebody she's babysit. Yeah, because there's yeah there's the babysitter and then like the mom and the date come back. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I I honestly don't know who's. Yeah. Andrea, I believe Andrea's the babysitter. There's and, an unnecessary amount of people in this movie. There is, and the baby's okay. And the baby's mother is Julie, and Julie's date for the evening is. Oh no, Julie's date for the evening is Bill. The friends, I'm sorry. It makes more sense because Bill's an older guy and I would expect the older guy to be running the makeup show. Yes, the friends are um, Artie and Greg and Beth. Yeah. And Andrew's the babysitter. Julie's the mom. Bill is the mom's date. Um, God, I think we finally got all of that. They're all gonna fucking die, so it doesn't. Yeah, they all they all basically die, but somehow everybody becomes aware that um, Todd is on the loose. Um, yeah, like and then, they're sort of spread word of mouth. Yeah, and there's there's also this moment where, um, like as I don't know, like like Thanksgiving dinner is over, but like the night is still young. And so, like, everyone is, everyone is, like, going off to do, like, other shit. Um, you know, as you, you know, I don't know about you, but we didn't, like, exactly, like, go fucking, like, party hopping no. after Thanksgiving. You eat at Thanksgiving and then you fucking clonk out. Exactly, because you eat so much. And whatever. Um, and, like, some of this includes, like, being on the lookout for... Todd, but most of it is just like socializing and drinking. A couple of the dudes like kind of want to go look for him, like yeah, macho guy style. And a couple people are like, "What if we just like hit the bong and like did nothing?" Yeah, right. And also, um, Todd's doctor is here now, uh, Doctor Berman and her assistant Jackie. I think is his name. Jackie. (laughs) Yeah, and so they're sort of like in on the search um but terry you know like has this plan and he's pissed off by his mom's um oh well his mom's engagement right and so he's mm-hmm. like well the, uh, now that todd's free i'm gonna save my ass and do my blood rage and murder a bunch of people and frame it on my brother and so he kills jackie um and then he kills the doctor and I don't think he kills anyone else just yet. But he I like think so. I think that's goes, how it sort of starts. Yeah, he goes back home and he changes his clothes because yes. they're covered in blood. And at this point, his mother 
um, the Louise Lasser character, I don't remember her name, Maddie, um, is like wasted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I guess she's like upset about the news about her son. Um, and so she doesn't like notice the bloody clothes or notice that her, I like that Terry's even home and changing. But he does change. And then he goes to the neighbors to Andrea's where she's babysitting. Um, and they like hang out for a while. And then Julie, the baby's mother. Doesn't she say like, who, who says to somebody very seriously, I want you to make love to me? Oh, yeah. I think she says that to him. It was such a strange, it's like they were talking about like whatever. And then she's just like, like, like it was like a business transaction. She was like, I think you should make love to me. Yeah, I think, yes. I think that is during this particular scene. Yeah. So that happens. So that happens. And then, but then Julie and her date come home, Bill. Um, and so then Andrea and Terry leave um because you know they're not needed to babysit anymore mm-hmm. um and Julie and Bill Julie's like prepping to seduce Bill and he's like funny and strange and is the, the collection of alcohols she has on her people. The shitty, shitty alcohol she has sitting. She's like, like got like creme de menthe and like yeah. whatever you call like banana liqueur and like all this other crappy shit the on her coffee table. But he's like mystified by the coconut liqueur. Yeah, he's like, what is, what is this? What, is it, what does it taste like? It's so weird. Um, yeah, so it's we strange. Get, we get a little bit of that, and then what happens? So he, while he's fucking enamored with this cheap-ass bar cart, while she's, like, primping and getting changed into, like, laundry, he gets killed. Yeah. Yeah, he gets murdered. She's putting on her, like, very strange bit of lingerie, like, getting ready to, like, get out there and, you know, get with it. Um, He gets gets decapitated, which comes back a little bit later. Um, and then Julie is then murdered as well, just stabbed um, repeatedly. Um, and then we cut to Greg and Andrea playing tennis. <laughs> you know, by the light of the moon or whatever. You know that thing you do where after Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> you play tennis. You play tennis. Um, Much as the pilgrims did. Yeah. Terry creeps on them a little bit. Um, they decide, like, they're like, they play tennis. It gets them kind of frisky, I guess, because they're like, let's, <laughs> let's, you know, get it. Like, she tries to, like, basically, like, have sex right here, right now on the tennis court. And he's like, no, I have a better idea. We cut and learn that his better idea is they're sort of balanced on the diving board of, like, a local, like, the rec center pool. Pool. They're, like, very pristinely placed on there. And they're very still. They're very still. And very naked. And very naked. Um, Like, to the point where I'm actually shocked that they did not get this dude's wiener in any shot. Yeah. Um, Impressive stuff. 
like he must have had it like really taped to like his his thigh because it is um, I feel like you you see some bush. Yeah, because he fall, basically so Terry shows up and kills them there. He falls yeah. in the pool and kills them. But the way that this guy is killed, he basically they're they're I'm gonna paint the picture for you. They're on the diving board. She's on her back. He's like sort of like, you know, like they look like a fucking Renaissance painting and he's on top of her and they're making out and they're like laid full, you know, fully out. Terry comes in, does his murder and the, you know, the the man whose name is Greg, the two G's, whatever, um, ends up at one point getting up. He's like on his knees fully you know should be full frontal nudity we don't see anything though even though we're seeing like his entire body and he ends up falling backwards into the pool during this whole time we don't see anything no it's very impressive it's wild i was like it is kind of impressive that they filmed it without any um genitalia yeah Um, but they get killed in you know thrown into the pool um Artie later finds their bodies um, before Todd shows up, um, who has gotten Dr. Berman's gun because he found Dr. Berman's body, took her gun. She had a gun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just as a quick note. Quick side, she had a gun. So he's got it now, and he, like, says to Artie, like, you got to help me. But he says it in a way where it's like, like he's just, this interaction is just like, you're doing it wrong, Todd, but I get it. Um, yeah. But he's like, yes, like Terry's murdering everyone. You have to help me. And I'm not a murderer to prove it. I've put a gun to your head. What? Um, <laughs> oh, now I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Terry shows up and Todd ends up like taking off because of that. Um, yeah. You know, and then, you know, Terry's like, Terry and Artie are like, oh, we gotta look for Todd. Um, and then, you know, once he gets to Artie alone, he stabs him in the neck with a carving fork. I think this is, I don't know if this is the first instance or like the most present instance in my mind of the line that he keeps saying. Um, sauce. Yeah, he he licks the blood and says, not cranberry sauce, like, like that. Yeah. Like that's the tone he uses. Um, and then, like, walks away. Yeah. End of scene. End of scene. Um, yeah, so pretty much all the supporting players are dead. Meanwhile, there's, like, this one, like, strange, not even really, like, a full sequence, but, like, Karen, Terry's girlfriend, like, at some point when everyone was, like, off doing what the hell ever after (laughs) dinner runs into Todd, thinks he's Terry, realizes he's not, and then, like, I don't know, just, like, runs around for a while. And then (laughs) she ends up, like, falling into the position of final girl. Even though we've lost track of her for, like, the entire entire middle of this movie. Like, you have no idea where this is. She's fallen bass backwards into into this (laughs) role into this role and so she kind of goes through like the traditional like the parade of bodies um i can't remember like how the reveal happens like but like she finds out that terry is the yeah. main 
She so she's coming on to Todd. Todd is like, I'm not Terry. Um, she takes off. She goes yes. to she, she does what she what she's been doing this entire movie, which is just fucking off. Um <laughs> she goes to Julie's house and she's like she hears it because the baby's still there. Julie is the mother of the baby. And the right. baby's still there and crying. And I remember she goes in and she like says something like your baby is still here or something. She says something fucking yeah. about the baby. Um, but she finds Julie's body. I think she might see Bill's head like tied up in some capacity yeah. somewhere. And she decides to take the the baby with her. Um, yeah, she's getting with her because now at this point she's being pursued by Terry. Yeah. Um, basically she like has a, like, my understanding is like, she just sort of says to Terry, like, oh my God, I ran into Todd and Terry's just like, got a machete. He's, yeah. So here's what happens. That's right. I've, I've put it, I remember it now in my brain. She comes up to Terry, who's got a bloody machete in his hand and he's got blood all over him. And she's like, oh my God, what happened? And he's like, oh, this, it's nothing. And then he pulls out the machete and he just is ready to like hack at her. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. It's so not like a, she doesn't like put pieces together. She doesn't like have a moment of like, I know the truth. It's literally him just like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happens. And then she, yes, yeah, she does her parade of body. She gets the baby. Um, and she also eventually ends up at the, the rec center pool. The rec center pool, right, which which at one point, because we get this, like, whole thing when um, Greg is killed about all the blood in the water. When mm-hmm. she gets there, there's no blood in the water. And the filter has done its job. It has filtered. It is well chlorinated, let me tell you. <laughs> you drink out of that pool. <laughs> um, and so this is sort of where, like, the final showdown is like set up to happen and there's like a, a little bit of a cat and mouse thing where Karen like hides the baby in a cupboard in one of the locker rooms. I don't know why. It's this so is- unclear to me why this baby is so fucking important to what <laughs> she's doing. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't think Terry gives a shit about the baby. He really doesn't. And now it's just causing like, what if the baby, it's just, it's more of a risk for you. What if the baby cries? <laughs> <laughs> so she hides the baby um but then this baby doesn't have a name i don't no because even julie the mom just calls it baby (laughs) Baby. um yeah and so um terry's there and he's and he's gonna he's gonna kill karen i guess but then todd is there and todd is like I'm not gonna like run anymore from you, my evil brother. You like it's time for the truth. Da, 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 da. And they have a confrontation. Um they like scuffle, they fall into the pool. Um Karen Karen pulls Todd out mm-hmm. and then and then Maddie, the mother of Terry and Todd, shows up, and she's she's drunk as all hell, as she's been for this entire movie, and she has a gun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
she's like, here I am. And she shoots <laughs> Terry. Terry. And we're like, oh, wow. And he shot her son and she saved the day. And there's this really long, it's too long. There's this like really long hug. And like, <laughs> it's too long. Their faces are too close together. Their faces are too close together. Everything about it is too. Um, and the, she's like, it's over. It's over. I did it. It's just you and me now. We don't have to worry. It's just you and me. I killed. Todd and Todd's like I'm fucking Todd. Like, <laughs> you killed Terry. Of twins. Yeah, she's like, was that not what you intended to do? And evidently, it wasn't. Maddie is like really upset um, that she yeah, killed she Terry. Wailing, and she starts wailing. And and oh, and it should be said, Maddie also discovered the truth as well. She drunkenly finds the bloody clothes that Terry took off earlier, so she knows that he is actually the one killing people and yet she still intended to kill her innocent son yeah. um and is really upset that she didn't and so they both start like spiraling and karen is like i simply do not have time and so she leaves the pool <laughs> with the baby with, oh yeah with the baby she does retrieve the baby um and that's where um oh no no i'm sorry that's not where the film ends there's one more final shocker and that's that Maddie can't live with herself for killing the terrible son. So she kills herself. She shoots herself. Um, I did like that shot that they did of the, the blood shooting across the tiles of the, it's a good shot. It's a good, it's shot. A good shot. It doesn't in physics make sense, <laughs> Yeah, but as a shot, it, it's very effective and very good. Yeah, that was good. And, um, and that's where the film closes. We don't know what will happen to Todd. Like, will he be blamed for everything that happened? Will Karen come back and cooperate his story? Who's to How say? is she going to get, like, what is she doing with this baby? Is she adopting this baby? Are people going to think she kidnapped it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that is how the film concludes. And it's still Thanksgiving, guys. This is, like, one day. Yeah, it all it all takes place over one. I mean, aside from the prologue, the it opening. takes place one day. Um, yeah, and so and so that's and so that's the film. Um, in terms of the roll call, I don't know that we need to go super in depth because no. <laughs> everyone could be the same person. Yeah, everyone could be the same person. I will say this much. Todd and Terry, as played by Mark Soper, it was one of those things where the first time I saw them both as adults, I was like, they're not, they're, they're not fucking identical. They're not twins. Yeah. They look so different. But it's the same dude. I don't know how they did that. Dude, how they managed to make him look like two different dudes. I do give them credit for that, and I give him credit. He definitely, like, clearly, like, portrays two different individuals yeah um and that can be hard to do for for a performer um so props to that i think everyone else is definitely like this is like b-movie acting for Mm -hmm. sure i don't i feel like the only person who realized it was a b-movie was louise lasser as mommy um and she kind of leans into that especially when maddie is like drunk which is most of the movie Mm -hmm. yeah um 
but yeah, she does have the starring credit actually um, in the roll call. It's this is such a weird roll call. And then Mark Soper gets the and right after. Then there's a with, which is Jane Benson as Julie, the baby's mother. And then there's an and introducing Julie Gordon as Karen. And then there's a second with, with four people billed all together. And that's James Farrell as Artie, Chad Montgomery as Greg, Lisa Rando as Andrea, and Bill Fuller as Brad. It's a wild credits. There's too many people in this movie. There are too many people in this movie. Um, and then just to quickly give everybody else credit, and then we'll move on. Marion Cantor plays Dr. Berman. Jerry Lou is Beth. Ed French, we've said, is Bill. Doug Weiser as Jackie and the radio announcer. Bill Kakmus as Maddie's date in the opening of the film. Dana Drescher as the little girl. Oh, we didn't talk about the little girl that with the cat. Oh my god. <laughs> I usually love like, it. I block that out from my brain. Like, like, you, she's like not fucking answering the door because she's, yeah, she's like, like ah, he told me not to let anybody in. She's like, what the fuck? The um, cat's got a dumb name too, I think. Yes, yeah, she's like calling for it. It's really stupid, but I don't remember. Uh Brad Williams and Rebecca Thorpe as the teenagers killed uh in the drive-in opening. Keith and Ross Hall as young Terry and Todd. Lauren Myers and Amanda Ball as baby. As baby. <laughs> yeah. Matthew Carlisle and Kevin Williams as the hospital attendants. And then Ted Raimi. Yes. Cameoing he as first film, first film ever. Yeah. He cameos in a very funny way as um, a condom salesman in the montage opening of the drive-in. Yeah, he uh, was 19 at the time. That's crazy. Um, something wild I found about Louise Lasser. She, in 1976, was the, meant to be the, or I guess she was the host of the, that, the penultimate episode of the very first season of Saturday Night Live. Oh. Um, and apparently it was like a fucking disaster. Oh shit. She like apparently like they they said she was like acting absolutely insane like she wanted to write her own um like bit that they ended up being like you can't do that because it was about her and some other actor like the idea was they would sit there and talk about um penises and they're like you can't do that on Saturday Night Live and like apparently she like had a stream of consciousness rambling that she was going to do and like all this other shit. And supposedly she was banned from ever coming back to SNL. And part of this was because Whoa. she was in a movie um, called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, which was like her character. And that was like, I guess very berserk. So she was kind of like embodying that. Um, but there is a whole section about her SNL appearance and controversy. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah. She, um, I, I didn't know too much about her. I know like she started her career like in the 70s and stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
I feel like had a bit of a resurgence in the nineties, but I did not know about the SNL connection. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, there's like it's 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 so weird. That's pretty weird. So that's what I have to say about her role, Paul. About her, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I don't have too much else to, to comment about that. Were there any other like fun production things you came across? The only I thing didn't... I find besides the Todd, uh, Todd the Ted um, Raimi thing was apparently like for whatever reason the majority of the characters were invisible Nike apparel. Like you could see the like logo a lot and like it was unclear if Nike paid for this or like they paid Nike to be allowed to use their logo or what, but like a lot of people were wearing Nike. That is weird. That and apparently fucking, although this is putting Luis Lasser having a rocky relationship with the director into a little bit of context. Yeah. I think that is giving us a bit of clarity there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Brad Leland um, was also in the opening. Did we say his name? No, we didn't. I guess he, he shows up as a background guy in the drive-in. Oh. That's funny. That is kind of funny. Hmm. Interesting. Brad Leland of uh, Friday Night Lights. That's right. Interesting. Um, yeah, it says he's drive-in boy. He's driving. Is he the kid he get, that gets fucking killed in the beginning? Because there's driving boy and driving girl. Oh, is he? Hold on, he let's go be, back. Up. He could be the teenager that gets killed. I would imagine that would be the only one they would credit, right? Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, so he's credited as Brad Williams, but yes, it's him. Oh, that's nuts. Yeah. That is, that, that's so funny. There we go. That's a fun production note. There we go. <laughs> oops, oops. Yeah, there's not too much beyond that because this movie is a mystery to everyone. Truly. Um, and it was kind of a mystery at the time. Uh, like we mentioned, big gap between when it was filmed and when it was released. We speculated on why, but we don't know for sure. Uh, but ultimately, the film would be released on March 29th, 1987. And even after March 29th, why was it not released at Thanksgiving? I know. Again, this is, there have been a couple like seasonal films we've covered on the podcast that like release at bizarre times of year. Um, and this is one of them. <clears throat> uh, it, it didn't have a wide release, it was a limited theatrical run. Um, and as we mentioned at the top of the show, it, uh, did run in theaters under the Nightmare at Shadow Woods title, distributed by the film Concept Group. Um, and this uh, this alternate title version was also an alternate cut. Um, and what I could find said it was severely edited, but you mentioned the run times being exactly the same. So I don't know about that now. Yeah, I, I, it's un, I don't know. It said it's that a, according to Wikipedia, with sources, both runtimes are exactly the same. Interesting. Um, yeah, supposedly this version, if you watch the Nightmare at Shadow Woods version, like almost none of the gore special effects are there during the kills. 
So I guess maybe if like if you're just quickly cutting those, maybe it isn't that much time. Like you're just not showing that kind of stuff. Um, but given the like obscure nature of the film and the fact that it was a small distributor and did have a limited run, there is no assembled um, data on its domestic, international, or total worldwide gross. Like Box Office Mojo has nothing on its profits. It, yeah, and you mentioned, I mean, we'll get to it later, but there's no Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, there's no Rotten Tomatoes score. There's no um, notes I could find about what their budget was. All we know that it was, like, locally sourced, like you were talking about. So, who knows? Um, you know, but nevertheless, it did get some positive reviews. Um you know, at the time, uh, those reviews found the film to be funny, uh, to be brutal, and true to the conventions of the slasher uh, subgenre, as well as praising uh, Soper for giving two distinct performances as the twins, which we touched on and um, are both, I guess, in agreement with. But there were some negative reviews as well. What did those reviews say? Uh, the negative reviews called the film trite, wrote, and uh, full of awkward, stilted performances, except for Lazar, um, who, like we said, is probably the only one who knew what movie she was in. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, and how does it stack up in terms of uh, metrics these days? Um, well, it has a 56 on Rotten Tomatoes, which would be impressive if it was an actual critic score and not an audience score. Um, it has no Metacritic aggregations because we really can't—it's you really can't find actual reviews of it. Um, it has an IMDb rating of 5.8, um, which stacks up pretty close to the Rotten Tomato score. IMDb also does um, audience reviews, so that checks out. And it has yeah. a letterbox rating of 3.2, which feels high, but maybe people are rating it the way that we rate Sunny Boy. Yeah. And I, I think I was in that mood because I gave it a three mm-hmm. just for being like ridiculous and silly. And I was just like, you know what, whatever the effects were good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll move now into analysis. <laughs> and um, it's, this is not going to be a particularly long segment on this episode. Miss um, Mel, do you want to... Here's the thing. Something, something for folks to think about after they watch Blood Rage? There's obviously a lot of Freudian shit going on in this movie <laughs> between whatever the fuck's going on with Maddie and Terry, <laughs> with Terry and his... Or, I guess, Todd and his evil fucking twin. And it's honestly just... It's, like, not even worth, like disgusting because it's obvious like it's it's yeah. there it, it is the the movie is these these issues <laughs> right it's literally terry not being able to cope with his mother as a sexual creature yeah and yeah yeah and there you have it folks um <laughs> i think this will be an interesting one as well our next segment is of course one good scare what is the most frightening moment of this film for each of us? Um, 
I, I mean, nothing about this movie is particularly sticks with you. Um, You're also, I'm terrified at her alcohol selection. And her alcohol, the fucking creme de menthe. I will say the the part that I found the most effective is the scene where she finds Brad and she's behind him mm. and the camera is facing Brad and we see like Terry has propped him up without his hand and his axe or his machete wound in his head and she just kind of stands there and she's like, Brad, and she's talking to him but like slowly starts to realize like, oh, he's dead. Um, I thought that was pretty effective. That's decent. I, I like that. Yeah, I'll say, and um, when we see the severed head on the string, mm-hmm. I feel like I had a, I feel like I had a reaction, like, ooh, that's gnarly, you know. Yeah. So we'll give it that. Um, we'll take a moment now for the view from the closet. Is there a way we can view this film from an LGBTQ plus lens? I don't even know. I don't know that there's anything. Usually there. we're pretty good at this, but um, yes. this movie is so obsessed with this guy wanting to fuck his mom that it makes it really hard to see any other Maybe. sort of sexuality going on in this movie. Maybe you could say that, like, Todd has an. I don't know. Because, like, the sexual. Like, the mom's sexual nature bothers Terry, but it doesn't bother Todd. I, I don't. I honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think there's anything worth extrapolating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then we will um, move into um, our last couple bits and pieces here, including legacy, legacy. What is a legacy? So. Um, The film gets released on VHS by Prison Entertainment in the fall of 1987, literally the same year it came out, which at that time, like, kind of unusual, I feel like. Yeah. But again, we know that this film didn't have, you know, a huge splash, or make a huge splash, rather. Um, It's under the Blood Rage title when it gets released, um, and it has the original cut of the film. Um, in contrast to, like, when it gets shown on cable and all of that. But the truncated Nightmare at Shadow Woods cut gets released um, on DVD in 2004 by Legacy Entertainment. Um, <clears throat> so two conflicting versions. The DVD version uh, has the swimming pool scene um, that apparently was cut from the VHS release. I did see that. And, to, you know, I, I mean, like, the nakedness, the water being very yeah. bloody. I could see that. Yeah. Um, and eventually, Arrow Films would release a three-disc uh, Blu-ray and DVD combo in December of 2015. Thank which has God we can get this on Blu-ray. Yeah. And an Arrow <laughs> release, too. Um, it has both cuts of the film as well as outtakes and a composite cut. Which outtakes? Outtakes, man. I want to see. Um, and then there was a, a standard two-disc combo that was released in Oh, January. I gotta see these outtakes. Can you imagine? I mean, the intakes are bad enough. Yeah. And then, of course, as we've alluded to throughout the episode, the line, that is in cranberry sauce. Um, is sort of like a marker for the film and like how fans identify each other. It's said like like the um, 
who but Qu- who but Quagmire or whatever that line is from the Family Guy. <laughs> it is said like that. That is so. Like that's how he says it. Um. Gosh. Which again, unclear why he's saying that since Thanksgiving only like happens for the first thirty seconds of like the present day yeah. timeline of this film. Yeah, it's very it's very odd. Um, yeah, like it's not tied in thematically at all. It's just an excuse to like have a bunch of the characters together in one place. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, you could have just done whatever for that. Didn't have to be Thanksgiving, but you do you. Yeah. Um, but that'll like kind of lead me into our closing question that I've uh, got for you. Um, and it's not exactly horror related, but it is still vaguely on theme, much like the holiday is vaguely on theme in this movie. Uh, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? I had a feeling you were going to ask this. Um, because what the fuck else are you going to ask? Um, I, I'm trying to think of like what I like eat at things. Cause obviously I don't eat turkey. Um, but I'm like, what, what is it like, you know, that I like look, that I like think about and look forward to every year for Thanksgiving. And honestly, the thing that comes to mind for me is the green bean casserole. Oh, solid choice. That's always like the thing where I'm like, I never fucking eat this any other time but Thanksgiving. I enjoy, like, I genuinely enjoy it. It's such a weird fucking, I don't know who came up with it. Because mm-hmm. it's such a strange combination of foods. It is. Um, it is but yeah, I think it's green bean casserole. Solid guess. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting that. Um, yeah. I, and I feel like an underrated dish. Yeah, underrated dish. Not. I feel like not everyone vibes with it either because there's some people who are like, oh, like mushrooms or it's too oniony yeah. or what have you. But um. Yeah, that was always a staple at our Thanksgivings was green bean casserole, you know, made with the, the Campbell's cream and mm. mushroom soup. I would always get in trouble for eating the, like, crispy onions just, like, out of the can when we were supposed to be, like, saving them for the, for the casserole. Cut that out. Um, basically. Uh, what, are, what about you? Um, I gotta go. Mine's gonna be a bit more um i think on the heavy hitters but my my clear favorite is stuffing Mm -hmm. and my my mom makes really she makes a really solid now is the stuffing cooked in the butt of the bird or yeah yeah ass bread ass bread all the way baby you know that's that's where it's at. (laughs) and then she will she she'll do she'll do the ass bread and then she also makes like a separate yeah yeah Yeah, i do feel it's like sort of a thing with people like it's not even that like people are vegetarians it's just that some people get freaked out about the idea of it being cooked inside the carcass of a turkey Um, and it's like you know what that's fair yeah no um i do enjoy i mean obviously i the stuffing i have is a little bit different um but i think good when good stuffing like when stuffing's done well it's it's very good yeah Well, is there anything we missed and absolutely must say about Blood Rage? I think there was nothing we had to say to begin with about Blood Rage. (laughs) 
we did a real did a real service to this movie. We did. Um, but if you think we did a disservice, if you're a blood rage defender or sympathizer, or you're in agreement with us, let us know. Um, there's a lot of ways you can do that. How so, Miss Mills? You can send us an email at splattertrader669 at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet at splattertrader666 minus all the vowels on Twitter. Um, you can send a DM at, or you you still can. It, the splatterchatter.tumblr.com might not be true at some point in the future. Unclear. A uh, friend of the pod, Miss Colleen, is doing some maintenance on that. Um, right. But we'll let you know. As far as I know, that's still the case. So feel free to, not a DM, it's an ask on Tumblr. Um, but do that for now and we'll let you know if that changes. You can leave a comment at the on the blog at splatterchatterpodcast.com. Um, and yeah. Yeah, and you can find us both on Letterboxd. Yes. Um, you can... Uh, comment on our reviews of this movie and say fuck off yeah or you can say hell yeah um you can also find a uh, a list of all of the films that splatter we have covered on splatter chatter splatter chatter <clears throat> it's clearly time to wrap this up <laughs> um over the years um but this does this does conclude episode 115. When we come back in December, it'll be episode 116. And what are we going to cover? We are going to cover, this is going to be a good one, I think. For our holiday episode, we are going to cover 1984's Night of the Comet. Yeah. Now that one we can actually say is a real cult classic. Yes, it is. A proven, verifiable cult classic. Um, that I think is gonna, I think that's gonna be a fun episode. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I actually recently bought that the Shout Factory uh, release of that film, so I might poke around on those special features and that's follow. Have some things to to bring. That's awesome. So it's definitely something to look forward to. Um, until then, we want to wish our American listeners a happy Thanksgiving. And we want to remind all of our listeners to keep up the creep. And for now, we will say au revoir, adios, and das vidanta.